Mindset goes well beyond the beliefs that we have created in our minds, be they limiting or expansive beliefs. It incorporates not only your head mind, but also your heart mind in order to make you a whole, complete, functioning person. Now, what does that mean? What's the difference between your head mind and your heart mind? It's kind of self-explanatory, but I'm going to dive into that topic a little bit deeper today with my guest, Diana Kwa. She has created a yoga program called Yoga Mind. Welcome to Health, Harmony, and Happiness with Kathy. I'm your host, Kathy Stricker. In my personal life, I am a wife to a dedicated law enforcement officer and mama to three lively littles. I'm an adamantine yoga teacher, health coach, community betterment advocate, and wellness enthusiast. But what I really like doing is connecting others with tools and resources that bring about health, harmony, and happiness. Whatever this looks like to you, I'm here to offer my own insights and tools from others that allow you to realize your full potential to live mindfully as your authentic best self. Allow me to be a guide in discovering what works for you. Hey friends, we are talking about mindset right now on the Health, Harmony, and Happiness with Kathy podcast. And my guest today, Diana Kwa, is really special to me because she was in a program this past year with our friend and teacher, Himalaya, and we were paired up as partners. And um, she's in California, I'm here in Iowa, and out of that program, she birthed this yoga mind program, which is awesome. And I can't wait to see it grow and expand and hopefully expand into other states, other countries. I don't know. I've got big visions for it because it's very cool what she's doing. And I birthed this podcast out of this program. So she and I have held this space for each other and kind of supported each other silently and verbally. And now is her chance to get to share this with all of you guys. So I am really, really excited for you to hear the work that she's been doing. Uh, She is a psychologist by trade and profession, and then she does this yoga stuff on the side, but she's finding that more and more it's really working with her clients. So listen in and hear how uh, how that works and how she has incorporated both into her practice and into her life. But before then, remember that if you haven't left a rating or review for this podcast, I would be ever so grateful if you would take just a moment to do that. You can do that on um, Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher. And I am just so grateful that you are here listening to this show that my heart is full. And I would love for you to help grow this podcast by sharing it with just one other person. Remember that you can find the show notes to this episode and all of the other episodes on my website. That's C-A-I-R-N yogawellness.com slash podcast. Today's episode is episode 19. So you can add a 19 behind that podcast and it'll take you right to this episode's show notes. Thanks again for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Hi, Diana. How are you doing this morning? 
up and awake. (laughs) You had a long night last night, so I'm glad that you're here and thank you for making the time to do this. Um, it's always, it's always challenging when you have disruption in sleep and your job actually entails that sometimes as you discovered last night and as I'm sure you know, but tell my listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure, definitely. I'm before I get started, I just want to thank you so much, Kathy, for inviting me to your space. And um, I think this is actually, despite whatever happened last night, such a great way to start my day to be with you. Good, good. Well, I'm glad you're here. And you guys can't see her out there, but she looks beautiful. Even if she didn't have very much sleep last night, she's just a radiant, lovely lady. So I'm super excited. Um, I'm going to give you a tiny bit of a background first, and then I'll let you answer your question. Sorry. I know Diana through a program that we went through this past year with a woman named Himalaya, who is also going to be on the podcast um, soon. And uh, she was, Diana was my partner, and we got to meet uh, via Skype and phone calls. And it's, she's just a wonderful, wonderful woman, and I'm excited to have her on the show. So, Diana, let's go back to that. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, of course. So, I am a clinical psychologist. I have been working mostly in college, um, university mental health. So, I am mostly a generalist, so I work with um, my clients, um, especially students, and that I um, are usually my clients with a variety of mental health diagnoses from anxiety, depression, um, any trauma, eating concerns, um, so you name it. Um, so I've been a psychologist for um, about four years now. And um, besides, before I was a psychologist, I was a yoga teacher. And um, and before I was a yoga teacher, I was a yoga student. And during my college years, um, yoga was what really saved me. Saved me in helping me reduce my stress level, helping me um, become more focused, Um, in the work that I am studying and doing. And so after I graduated, um, it was one of my goals to get my teacher training, and I did it through uh, Core Power Studios. How did you decide that yoga needed to be a part of your life? Yeah, you know, um, after I did my first yoga class, I got this feeling that I have never felt before, which is this wholeness, this wholeness um, from both my body feeling relaxed, my mind feeling relaxed, and just this uh, the sense of completion. And since the very first time I did a yoga class, I cannot stop going back. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's different because some people go to a yoga class and they never want to go back because it's new, it's uncomfortable, and it's making them step outside their box or their comfort zone, right? Um, And then there's people like you, people like me, who the first yoga class I went to, your story sounds kind of like mine. I, I just realized, oh my goodness, there's something different about this ancient practice that 
I need in my life and in my body. And like you, it was just calming, relaxing. Right, right. And, you know, I've been a very academic person growing up. And so my schedule typically is very full. Um, and I, I, you know, was a hard worker. And so I... I learned how to work hard and study hard. And one thing I never really learned growing up was how to relax. Uh-huh. And, so, and so that was a whole new thing for me. And, and you know, I think it was a medicine that I needed at the, at the time. And to this day, you know. What, you and what, I are so much alike. <laughs> I forgot that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Himalaya knew. <laughs> I think what she was doing when she paired us up because (laughs) yes, yes. Um, So with your full-time job then, or let's, let's reverse, let's go back. So did you start practicing yoga before you were in college or not until you got to college? not you know just right when I went to college actually one of my I was in a sorority in uh, in college and you were I was I as was, was I which is a little you? known fact about me yeah <laughs> that is hilarious yeah. we're, we're just like one person I know I know oh my goodness okay carry on and then my sorority sister um, actually took me to my first class. So I haven't never really done anything like this. Before. So funny. It was one of my sorority sisters that introduced me to yoga, but she wasn't. I was in high school and I was visiting my sister in the sorority. And it was sure. one of sorority sisters at the time. I ended up joining the same sorority. She ended up being one of my sisters. It was, oh that's funny. Goodness. That is hilarious. wonderful. <laughs> We have the same story. <laughs> okay, keep going with your story. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, yoga has brought so much for me. And so right now, and, you know, it gives me a reason why I want to share it. And so um, talking about yoga mine, um, is it, can I talk about yeah, that Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you teach a class now called Yoga Mind, and this was kind of birthed with this program that we were introduced in. Um, you had the you had the idea, you had the thoughts, and and what you wanted to do with it. But the program was a little bit of that push to say, "Go for it, do it." Right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Tell us about Yoga Mind. During my um, so during my internship, so psychology internships, we have to do multiple internships in in, in psychology. Um, my placements are mostly at university counseling centers, and so there I would do yoga groups for the college students. And what I notice with the college students is that at the um, at the end of their um, yoga classes, like me, they get this sense of relaxation. So I started to play around with my psychology background in yoga. And so with my classes, I started to ask certain questions to tap into um, certain psychological questions, per se, to really tap into um, their mental mind. so, you know, I played around with, um, you know, asking questions about, you know, um, um, simple questions about, you know, 
the openness in their hearts and, you know, questions that kind of about their relationships as, as we're, they're exploring the yoga posture. And I found that while the students or my clients that I'm working with, while they're doing the yoga postures, um, they could get into a space that really go into their own experience. And oftentimes when I add the question component into the yoga, um, at the end of my yoga classes, uh, my students just had tears rolling down their eyes because they had the place to process whatever that was coming up for them. And I was in some, in that, um, from that, I was like, huh, maybe I can create something with this, adding some psychological questions and um, affirmations or different things that I use in my therapy room with, with the yoga practice. And so over the years, I kind of hone it a little bit more and, and develop this, um, this thing called, um, this program called Yoga Mind, which is um, one of, um, so it is um, incorporating psychological, um, com- psychological questions, affirmations, um, quotes, um, anything that kind of helps dive into the mind um, as either my clients, my yoga students um, are in the yoga posture because when your body is already open, it also helps you think about opening up your mind space. A lot of times in my yoga, uh, my therapy, in the therapy room, what I notice, another great thing about yoga mind is that a lot of times in my, um, in the yoga, in the therapy room, my clients, when I ask them a question, they're thinking about responding back to me. They're thinking about what do I say next, you know, and which is a great thing. But at the same time, I could see that it stays very cognitive because we're just talking back and forth. And the great thing about yoga mind is when I ask certain questions in um in the in the yoga space, they don't have to think about responding back to me. They can stay in their experience. They could think back in their childhood. They could think back in the last time you know they feel empowered, and they could think back about um, and be in the experiences of whatever uh, the question elicits, and it lets them explore their in- internal um, mind and journey inside. Um, do you and, find that um, would it be helpful, or do you do you have students ever bring journals with them? And oh yeah, have yeah. them journal in the um, in the yoga mind class. Absolutely. So that's actually part of the work cool. too. Um, we do so we do the yoga class, and I leave about. 15 to 20 minutes, depending on the class and how big the class is, we end with, and before we start the class, I let, you know, my students know that this is a place where we dive into our, our internal mind. And so giving this bit, letting them know ahead of time to, um, at the end, we will spend some time journaling their experience. And so at the end of each class, I give them space to journal. And then we all come together as a group to process their experience, like if anything comes up. And, of course, not everybody have to share all the time. We really want to create a safe place. Absolutely. But sometimes 
students, you know, that see different colors or have images or memories that come up. And so this is the time that we can process what those memories may mean and, and what they want to do with the information that they receive while they're in the, um, while they receive in the class. Absolutely. Um, do you, is this a component and do you think that it's because they don't feel that pressure that they have to actually answer in a certain way, kind of like what you were saying, that this would be beneficial to your clients as well in the university setting to just get them moving even while they're in a session with you? Is that something that is ever possible to do? Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you asked that question because since I've been doing yoga mind, I realized how powerful the body is. And as I'm doing this psychological work, supporting people, doing the healing work, I'm realizing the head, the brain is only a certain part of our whole entire body physical form. Right. They so cognitive in the head, we're missing out on so much. Um, information from the rest of our body. Uh, from there's so much information from our heart space. What I call is our heart mind. So a lot of times, when I even do the yoga mind warrior, when I'm in a in my um, um, therapeutic room, I talk about you know not tapping in just your head mind. The head is very cognitive, but tapping into the heart mind. And the heart mind is a place that. Um, doesn't give specific answers. Um, it come, may come up like, like intuition. Like sometimes you might get an image, a sound, a taste. It comes through your senses and it just, um, so tuning into that heart mind. And beyond the heart mind, we have now a lot of research going into our guts our gut instinct and our stomach, right? Have to yeah. give us so much information and then moving down, you know, into the, our legs and our feet. And I feel like all our, our whole body is an intelligent being. And I think it, it is a disservice for us just to only focus from the head up. Absolutely. Have you yeah. read the book Body Mind? No, I have not. Oh goodness. It's an, it's an old one, but it is a fantastic book. Um, looks like this, Ken Dykewald. Well, now that you mention it, I am very excited yeah, to read you, about it. It is, it is good. Um, it took me a while to read it because I would read it and then I would analyze my own body yeah. and analyze how, where I was holding stuff. Um, and I'd take some time to kind of dig into that, but definitely I recommend it. Um, it sounds a lot like what you're doing and, and the work that you're doing using yoga with your clients in the clinical setting. Is that something that you are ever able to do? So for instance, if you're sitting with a student and they're just not really able to verbalize what it is they're feeling or experiencing, but they are trying to, would you ever be able to take them through some yoga postures to help them relax a little bit more and get them to the point where they feel comfortable communicating their emotions and feelings a little bit more? Oh, yeah. I don't even think yoga posture is where it limited to just using yoga posture to tap into the body. Um, when I have, for example, more depressed clients, you just even the way they slouch in the chair or kind of, you know, curl up, 
So simple things as just bring some movement, opening their body. I sometimes even have them get out of their chairs and we do a couple of jumping jacks just to elevate and bring in some energy. Awesome. So definitely the yoga posture. So that's something I'd slowly work towards because sometimes if students have never done yoga, it could be intimidating. So I just start adding a little bit of movement into, into the therapy room. And then there are some clients who have done yoga and I said, yeah, you know, let's jump in and, and have them, you know, do some simple, simple posture session, nothing too complicated or anything, more of a relaxing thing that we do. That Mm -hmm. is so cool. That's Mm -hmm. very cool. Is yoga mind something ever that the university would consider allowing you to offer as a program to supplement work that you may be doing with clients or that other psychologists may be doing with clients? Absolutely. I think that would be a wonderful addition to the programs that we have. So far, I am already doing um, this program, um, yoga mind at, uh, UCSD. Um, I'm doing it weekly with a group of people. Um, my hope eventually is to create, um, like a whole series of, of, um, cause right now it is drop in. So we have students coming in and out and let me tell you, it gets full every single week so much so that we have people lining out the door and we just need a bigger space at this point. And so awesome. Students, you know, this generation, they are so open. They are so open. Maybe it's the people who are willing to come and do this, but they get right into it. I'm so impressed, so impressed by this generation and how they're they're open to their experiences. They get really into it. Um, and they're not afraid, you know. I love maybe- it. They're not afraid to go into their experiences. So we have, it's full every single time. Um, we're even thinking about maybe adding on another, you know, the, we might have to add on another class uh, each week. Um, but I don't really have time on my schedule. Right. But this um, is something that you could yeah. easily create, cur- <clears throat> excuse me, curriculum for and right. teach someone else to teach as well. Another yoga teacher to teach and to take people through because you're using techniques that are very relevant to anybody who's been through behavioral change training or coaching training. Um, so it's easily something that you could create, like I said, or like we talked about before, um, and, and grow the program. Yeah, absolutely. And that is my next step. So, which is why I create the whole chakra series. And based on the chakra series, I want more of a systematic thing that we started to do. And then hopefully that can be so instead of signing for one class, um, moving forward, it would be nice for them to sign up for a whole series of classes. Absolutely. And then you know, you can measure progress a little bit better, too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Is there actual research out there uh, that you've been working with for some of these concepts in some of these areas? Yeah, absolutely. So I believe and I do see from my own point of view that psychology, it is not quite there yet, but 
it's the start of it, of moving forward, of incorporating more of the body. So for example, um, have you heard of EMDR? Yes. Let's um, talk about that a little bit more if you, <laughs> if you yeah, would. Yeah. Yeah, so EMDR is created by Dr. Vessel van der Volk. And so he incorporates, you know, in, he he did a lot of research with veterans and he found that a lot of their symptoms are not just in the head. And, it, you know, after um, their experiences with their trauma, it is stored in the body, their legs, their arms. And so he was realizing, wow, like um, – the healing part of a lot of healing um, has to do with healing, um, uh, looking into the body and noticing where the trauma is stored in the body. And so I've been doing some, um, a lot of like research and setting on his work. Um, a lot of. Um, do you practice uh, EMDR with your clients? You know, I practice, I, I, I do not particularly practice EMDR, but I practice okay. emotional freedom technique, EFT. So it incorporates tapping. Yes. So this fascinates me. Yes. All of these tapping techniques, I do that a lot of times with my uh, college students working with their mental health. And um, I found just immense, immense um progress probably progress with them yeah absolutely and incorporating their body and using all the tapping techniques to tap into the meridians to release some of their fears that they hold on um, a lot of students i work with they have really a lot of fear around their you know academics failure um all of that and so absolutely this generation that is going through college right now is um is a bit different than the generation that I went through college with, I think. Maybe a little bit, maybe not, but I, and maybe it's just that so many more of those um, issues that we have created in our lives are in the present and there's more research on them. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I'm so glad you asked that because I've been giving it a lot of thought. So initially, um, just this is just based on my own experience. Um, initially, you know, I've been doing a lot of, you know, research around resilience with college students. And so initially I was thinking, you know, maybe these days, you know, you know, with kids, they're less resilient. And, you know, we have parents who don't have a lot of children and so tend to have cuddled their 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 kids and so maybe this is why they have such big elevations and have such a hard time managing their emotional distress however lately my views have shifted and i have i haven't done any research around this but i'm starting to feel that it's not just that they don't they're not as resilient i think more in a way that they're more advanced and that in that maybe in our generation we are not as so sensitive to emotions ah. and would incorporate that so much like we are not so you know we have emotion but we're not so in tune with them you know what yes. i mean and the more I'm working with the new generation, I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's not so much that they're not resilient. I think they just 
they feel so much. That's positive. That's very positive. Don't you think? Totally. And that they're, they're incorporating this emotional experience. They're more elevated in the sense that they're, they're adding, adding a whole new component into their beings. And which is why they have these huge, intense feelings and emotions where we didn't have that back then. And I don't know. I mean, I don't, I haven't, there's no, I don't know if there's research out there or whatnot. This is kind of how I've been feeling lately about the students I work with. So instead of thinking they're not resilient, I think they're doing, they're, they're have to, they, they're handling a lot more. They're They're just more aware and mindful of what's going on within their bodies, maybe. Whereas we have been conditioned lots of times to just push it down. And now a lot of us are doing the work to say, no, I'm going to actually feel my feelings and let them come out and let them come to light and experience them because it's not a bad thing to have those feelings. It's not a bad thing to express our emotions. We need to do it productively, but embrace them and acknowledge them and realize that they're part of who you are, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this new generation is trying to do that. And that is so cool. They're feeling, they're feeling so much, you know, how to, how to go about it. And, but they're recognizing how important it is to feel that. That is so cool. Mm Wow. Wow. Wow, I love to hear that. Good deal. Um, so let's go back to yoga mind just a little bit. Tell me more about it. What are some of the concepts that you teach in it? Um, sure, absolutely. Yeah. So with yoga mind, um, I particularly when I teach it, I like to incorporate um, a different theme um, each week. And so lately I've been going through the chakra system. Um, and so this week we are on the heart, on the heart space. So I'm creating a class on just on the heart and being open in the heart. Um, the previous, um, ta- uh, before that we were doing the solar plexus, which is all about power. So I want to, I could give you some example. About yeah, absolutely. How- Please do how the classes form. And so usually I, um, so with yoga mind, I been using more restorative and more gentle yoga. So tapping into that more relaxed state, I find that in these days, more and more people are, you know, are so busy, um, with their, um, their list of things to do. And so my, one intention, I have many intentions, but one my one of my main intention is for them to tap into their parasympathetic system of relaxation. And so I've been doing, you know, I come from a power yoga background, mind you. Yeah. And and I've been doing power yoga for many, many years. And I find that my medicine these days is actually um, not only that, but also incorporating more of the gentle, relaxing yoga to to counteract for my busy, busy day, um, you know, my, my, you know, and that is kind of exactly what I need. Yeah. For my yoga mind, I mostly do more gentle restorative yoga. So I start out with a meditation and usually I do the meditation around the theme that I, um, 
offer for the for the student that week. And so, I, for example, with the power um, theme, I I do a meditation around the third chakra. What does power mean to them? And started tapping into their solar plexus. So that gives them the space just to lie down, to relax, to start their practice. Um, throughout the practice, I would have different questions um, about um, different questions about the idea of using their authentic power versus external power. I would um, have them reflect on around um, what is their first first experience that they can remember with power if. Uh, power has a shape, a color. What does that look like? If it has a texture, and these are different questions I would tap into as they're in their, um, as they're in uh, the different yoga posture that I also created around the solar plexus, so in their core. And when we're tapping into the core, um, the center of power, um, I may add in a couple of stronger more powerful postures to help them embrace that, like the power stand. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, um, so for I those, a- let me, let me pause you for just a second. I'm going to, I'm going to take a quick, uh, detour. So if you're not familiar or if you haven't practiced yoga before or much before the way and the, the types of postures that you practice and the way in which you practice them or sequence them will drastically change the way you feel and the emotions that you experience. So what Diana's talking about is that she's choosing those postures specifically that are going to open or um, resonate with the solar plexus, with the heart center, whatever chakra center she is focusing on in this class, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you got it. That's exactly what I'm trying to incorporate to add the pot of the physical form with the mental. And it's um, beautiful, I'm sure. I wish I lived near you so I could experience it. I will go to you. Oh my goodness. It's like been freezing cold here in Iowa this week. It is much colder than normal. I would gladly rather come see you. (laughs) <laughs> Diana's in California, so we we could all go see her out there. San Diego, where the weather's only yeah. 25. <laughs> well, if you want to experience 20 degree temperatures, Diana, come on out to Iowa in the next few months. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, back to Yoga Mind. So yeah. continue to take us through a class. What would it be like? Yeah. So then beyond the, the questions, the, the, the different postures that really empowers um, the thing that we are trying to cultivate, I also add in affirmations. So affirmations are, for example, statements such as, I am, um, so if we're doing the solar plexus, I am powerful beyond measure. Uh, I am strong. I feel the confidence in my body. So these are just an example of these um, affirmation we would tap into. However, the way I phrase around them is that when my students talk about or say these affirmations, I do not necessarily um, they, they do not necessarily mean that they need to believe in them. What the purpose of these affirmation is, as they are saying it, one, it's they 
it's helpful to help them verbalize that for the very first time, or maybe, you know, they've done it before. That's great. But verbalizing it can be so powerful. But two, I want them to recognize, to explore what comes up. So for example, if they say, I am confident, maybe they don't feel that way at all. Maybe and when they say that, they actually curl up in a ball and feel, you know, other stuff come up. So that's it's, so interesting. You know, right. I want them to explore what come what comes up for them. I love that. I do mm-hmm. affies every day with my kids. I even do them with Lulu and she's three months old, but I just I say them I say them to her basically every night before she goes to bed. And um I never really thought about, you know, I, I try to pick things that I see in my kids as being things that maybe challenge them. And then I say the reverse, you know, so that they can start to believe and start to, to realize that they are capable of doing those things. Um, but I would be interested to start to incorporate some of that feeling stuff with them. And how does that make you feel? So how do you do that in a class? when you, you say the affirmation, then how do you get them to start thinking about their feelings and how it actually makes them feel and what emotions it's eliciting? Yeah, absolutely. So once I say the affirmation, so before class, I prep them, I tell them that we're going to do affirmations. And then while I bring up the affirmation, I then ask them to pause, observe what comes up, observe any feelings, or no feelings, any memories, thoughts, and just notice. So I give them that mindfulness space. And then also observe it in a non-judgmental way, tapping into the heart mind to see what information you get. So all the so I encourage my students to be curious. Instead of judging the information they get, be curious because all that information is part of themselves, whether they get feelings of joy, excitement, or feeling of grief, sadness. All of that is, is information, and all of that is a part of them. In our society these days, we are so much taught to seek pleasure, to seek joy, and to be happy, and to be positive, that we're missing out. You know, It's great, but when we only focus on that, we're missing a whole other part of ourselves. Yeah. You know, even feelings of anger or frustration or stress, you know, even though it feels icky, but that's also part of our human experience, right? Yes. And so I want part of yoga mind is also bring that part of ourselves out because when you're able to bring that part out and release it, let you feel it work through it, release it in the yoga mind, they become a whole person. And not so much of like, hey, I don't want that releasing, of more like of more like embracing that part of accepting that part of ourselves too. Yes, exactly. I love it. Now there's research probably around affirmations and what they do. Do you know any of that research? Do you know of any? Can you speak to that a little bit more? Like why are affirmations actually so powerful? You know what? That's actually a really interesting thing. I bet there's there's some research around that. Um, I personally have not looked into it too much. Um, 
but I think something about using, you know, when we use, you know, the chakra system, we're tapping into the fifth chakra is the voice, right? And also thinking about using therapy, you know, sometimes we have so much stuff going in our mind or our body. Something There's something so healing about verbalizing all the stuff that... Um, that is within us, something about voicing that out loud, something about that can be just a very healing thing, both, you know, in the therapeutic yoga space and the psychological space that I work with students in. Do you ever give students when you're in a group class like that permission to, you ask the question, you allow them to observe an experience and then just all at once have everybody say what they're feeling or experiencing if they choose to. It, it's kind of uh, vulnerability, definitely, oh, yeah. you know, but yeah. uh-huh. I wonder what that would look like. I don't know if right. people would take the opportunity to do that or if, um, or if, if it would be too, uh, too much vulnerability. But I bet if you had a group of people that you had consistently and had been working, because nobody would really be hearing other people's responses. You'd just be hearing your own response because everybody's saying it at the same time. But it gives you, like you were saying, that chance to verbalize it and let it out. I think that's a wonderful idea. And I might take that idea when we do the fifth chakra. (laughs) That would be awesome. I would love to see how, like, I would love to follow back up with you then and hear how it goes if you end up doing that. that. It just came to me and I thought... Gosh, it would be it would be kind of cool. You would hear as the teacher all these things because some people might have a really positive um, response, like you were saying, and some people, when you maybe use some of those phrases like "I'm strong," may actually have the opposite come out that they need to verbalize. Does that make sense? I think that's an excellent idea, and cool. I might take that up. <laughs> cool. I think I think yoga class. And then we can check in with each other and see how it goes. Absolutely, I'd be anxious to see how that how that would uh, how that would play out. Who knows? But it's giving them permission not- then to to hold that space in. And you could phrase it in a way that they're holding space for the the people that they're in class with as well. You know, it's a safe place. They know that. You know that. And this is their time to to allow themselves that vulnerability. Absolutely. I think vulnerability, it's, it's, it's hard. And when that's another thing too, when they can practice vulnerability in the class, they can start doing or being more vulnerable outside of it too. So I think that's a great idea. Exactly. What happens on your mat translates into what happens in your life. And I think that's one of the biggest message that we as yoga teachers then like to communicate because it's so true that who we are when we step on our mat is who we'll be out in the world. Totally. And if you can allow yourself the space to relax and to find peace, that's who you want to be. Most of the time, I would say if you're coming to yoga, that's probably who you want to be. Um, but peace and love in the world. I don't know. Just a thought. Tap into your peace and love on the mat, and then you can give your peace and love outwards. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, we've I would got be a nice person. <laughs> I know. I know. 
All right. We've got one more question and it is what I ask everybody who's on the podcast, but how does what you do and the work you do professionally and with yoga mind cultivate health, harmony, and happiness in your life? And health, harmony, and happiness can either be broken down into individual components or it can just be lumped together. Like what does health, harmony, and happiness look like and how has the work you're doing allowed that in your life? Yeah, absolutely. And so what I'm thinking about is kind of back to, in, back to what we were talking about. Um, I believe bringing health, happiness, harmony, harmony um, involves bringing in the wholeness of our experience. And the idea of what we were talking about of whenever we start to reject any part of ourselves, any traumatic memories, any part of ourselves that we don't like, that starts to splinter our experiences, that starts to splinter our personality, and that creates disruption. And so I believe my intention in offering in this world is to bring back those pieces those pieces that we tend to want to reject, right? Those pieces that we don't want to remember. Those pieces that we don't feel are good enough. And so with my work in this classroom or in the yoga classroom or in my therapeutic space, I work with people and bring um, the um, all the different parts back into themselves so they can feel like a whole being. That is and beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I, and, um, yeah, I think it's just wonderful to see that. And I think it's hard. It's, it's challenging. Um, because a lot of those experiences are ones that, you know, we've been wanting to hide in the closet to, to push aside for so long, you know? And I, yeah, and, yeah. Oh my goodness. That's beautiful work. It's such a great mission that you have behind what you do. And I'm so glad that you shared it with us because it's not just about, it's not just about having a career to you. It is a mission and a passion and a love that you have for creating more beautiful people. Beautiful oh, yeah inside as a whole, mm -hmm. you know, yes. I love it. Thank you so much, Diana, for sharing that. Is there anything else you want to tell my listeners or fill them in on that? Maybe we missed. No, I can't think of anything. I think that we covered a lot and I feel like it's such a great, you know, opportunity to speak with you today, Kathy. I, I had such a great time and Good. I and love you to hear your voice. If you are in the San Diego area, how can they contact you? I don't know that I have a lot of listeners in the San Diego area right now, <laughs> but if you share this, uh, how can people get a hold of you? How can people join these classes that you're doing? Yeah, so if they can, you know, get in touch with my um, Instagram, I post my classes there. Um, my name is just Diana Q, Diana with two N's, D-I-A-N-N-A-Q. You can find me there, and I post my classes. Um, 
am trying to expand into different studios and different spaces as accordingly. And so hopefully we'll, we'll see more of Yoga Mind in different areas, maybe one day in Iowa. I love it. I think that's so cool. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Can you see? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Things about Iowa, though. What's that? I say I hear great things about Iowa. So It's lovely. I love the Iowa people. I I love our state. I, I realize I don't really like cold weather that much, and I've known that much of my life. But, you know, otherwise, everything about our state I love. And I love having the seasons. So uh, it is a good place, and I would love to have you visit sometime. I think it would be great. Thank you, Diana, and we'll talk to you later. So fantastic. Thank you, Diana, for being on the show. I had such a great time visiting with you and hearing more about Yoga Mind, and I can't wait to see where it goes um, and what develops as you're, you're working through the chakra system as well. So very cool. Check it out. Even if you are not in the San Diego area, go to her Instagram, follow her, let her feel your love and support and check out the link to her program, to her class. And you can just read a little bit more about it there. It's very cool. Um, super excited for you, Diana. Keep, keep getting after it, girl. Very cool. All right, folks, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, I would be ever so grateful if you did. Thank you very much for, for being here for holding the space for me to hold this podcast and interview others. If you have ideas of guests or for shows that you would like to hear more about, please send them my way. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a message via direct message on Instagram or through Facebook. I would love to have your feedback and your input. In the meantime, subscribe and leave a rating or review and enjoy the rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, help us grow this podcast by sharing it with even just one other person. And it would mean so much to me if you would take a moment of your time to write a review. Your comments and feedback are what help me continue to bring you topics and guests that can help you and others on their journey in creating health, harmony, and happiness. Remember to head on over to cairnyogawellness.com to get the show notes and links from today's episode. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Karen Yoga Wellness. And to continue connecting with more resources that could help you enhance health, harmony, and happiness in your own life, subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again for listening.